It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is gaming tourism reporter and assistant business editor for the Las Vegas Review Journal. He's Richard N. Rick Vallada. He's covered business, the gaming industry, tourism, transportation, and aviation in Las Vegas for 25 years. You can read Rick at ReviewJournal.com and you can follow him on Twitter at Rick Vallada. That's V E L O T T A. And Rick, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. I should have you on at least once a year because there's so much going on in Las Vegas and the beat you cover. And then what happens is I get so busy, you get so busy. And then all of a sudden I say, wait a minute, I haven't talked to Rick in a while. So yeah, that's true. There's, there's, this is like the best news town in the country. I mean, there's always something going on and there, it's never a dull moment. It's, it's one of those things that it's like, it comes at you nonstop. And that's, for, for me, that's like fantastic. I love that. Because you come from a background in terms of how you got to Las Vegas and where you were before, because you were in other markets that were not quite as, let's say, busy as Las Vegas. Yes, I, I went to school in Flagstaff, Arizona, the uh, Northern Arizona University, and I ended up staying there for, for several years, uh, about uh, 15 years, and then took a little side trip to uh, Ogden, Utah, the Ogden Standard Examiner, and when it uh, came to the point where I was not being paid every week because of uh, certain things that were happening at the paper, I started to look elsewhere and I got a job right away at the Las Vegas Sun, which I was uh, there for, for about 20 some 20 plus years. And then I moved over to the RJ. What is the biggest change you've seen in Las Vegas since you've been reporting here? And I know that's oh a tough gosh. question. It's, I know there's it, a lot it of a stuff. Tough question. <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's the the fact that things uh, when they do change, they change in a big way, and there's just it, it just it's just nonstop. One of the things that uh, I thought when I first got here was that, man, this is a this is a great news town, but then everything started to reinvent itself. We had that series of implosions and things that were were going on as the strip face changed and just to see all that happen and so rapidly and then to see all these smart people i mean the the people who run these casinos and these tourism enterprises in las vegas are just really smart they they just know how to to market properly and they they find the the way to get people to come here and Gosh, 2022 is a great example of how that has uh, kind of happened exponentially. It's just been uh, amazing to watch. There's always been challenges for Las Vegas. It's funny when you think about it, Rick, because we've been here, both of us, a long time. Mirage was considered the game changer for the Las Vegas Strip. And then you thought that would be there forever. And now that's turning into hard rock. So just the fact that that kind of change can go on when the Mirage was the game changer and now Hard Rock is the game changer. Right. And and the, the thing is, is that, that Hard Rock, they've got some very big plans in the works that they're going to be. Uh, mm -hmm. Actually, they're, they're going to be looking to approve the, uh, the final sale 
uh, this week. So it's it's something that's imminent. And we'll probably not see a lot of change over there for at least a year because they have so many plans that they need to put into place. And they're going to basically gut the entire interior of the of the Mirage as it stands now. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that most people are concerned about is that, oh, gosh, that, that volcano that erupts every 15 minutes on the Strip is going to go away eventually. And I, I have to admit, when I first came and saw that, I was I was pretty much jazzed with uh, oh this is what Las Vegas is all about because uh, it had opened before I first got here in 1991. So going down to to the strip to watch the volcano erupt was something that everybody did, and whenever I had friends come to town, we would have to do that. So that's going to go away though. So that's kind of sad, but uh, it's also the reality of things that change in this market. Now they'll have a guitar erupting every twenty minutes instead. <laughs> At least uh, it, it'll be it'll be there permanently. It will be every twenty minutes, right? <laughs> from something every twenty minutes. I don't know, but uh, that in itself is kind of a, the hard rock branding. The hard rock one of their brands is to have towers that are shaped like guitars. They have them in several other markets around the around the world, and. When, when they decided to put this in on, on the Las Vegas Strip, they wanted to make it a thousand feet tall, which would be, uh, you know, one, one of the highest uh, uh, buildings in uh, on the Strip. Uh, but the uh, county told them no, so they made it half that size. But 550 foot uh, guitar on the Strip will be built in the uh, in the years ahead. From your perspective and your background as a business reporter. The Hard Rock is not exactly a new brand. Why did they decide to make that investment on the Las Vegas Strip with that kind of brand that's been around for several decades now? And it's not exactly the newest kid on the block. Well, and Hard Rock's got a really interesting story because there were two partners who had the, the Hard Rock brand and they they kind of separated from each other. And so instead of one partner taking full taking the full accounting of, of the hard rock, they split it off and they both had it. So the hard rock hotel and the hard rock cafe that was down near the airport was owned by one company. This hard rock is owned by a different company. And this particular company is now owned by the Seminole Indian tribe. So you've got two different entities that are at play here. The one that uh, wants to wanted to get on the strip is the Seminole Indian tribe owned Hard Rock. And the, the the one that was over near the airport is now owned by a different Indian tribe, or at least uh, managed by a different Indian tribe, the, the casino part of it. And that is now the Virgin uh, Hotel Las Vegas. But as more to the brand I was talking about, more than the ownership. In other words, if you want to make a big splash on the Las Vegas Strip, wouldn't it make more sense to come up with a brand new brand or some new brand that has not yet been exposed in Las Vegas? Well, they, they figure that, the, that it's very well known. I think there was a statistic that was uh, uh, discussed in the last uh, regulatory meeting with they have instant advertising. You go to any airport in the United States and there's always going to be somebody in there with a hard rock shirt on. And so that's so familiar with people. It's international. Um, I mean, there are hard rock cafes and hotels in other countries. So I think that what they wanted to do is exploit that uh, well-known brand 
and, and put it on the Las Vegas Strip, knowing that people would be familiar with it and knowing that people would be interested in uh, seeing what Las Vegas has to offer. As you look up and down, not just the Las Vegas Strip, but downtown Las Vegas and in surrounding areas, and I apologize for my voice to listeners because I'm getting over a cold, but when you look at that whole environment, the whole valley of Las Vegas, the biggest change you see from your perspective is what? Other than obviously more traffic and a lot of construction, but is there a major change to the landscape that wasn't there five years ago, 10 years ago, and what would that be? Well, I think that uh, we have discovered that not only can we be an entertainment capital, but we can be a sports capital. And there's been a lot of movement toward uh, exploiting our ability to put on not only concerts and, and things like that, but also athletic events. So that's been the biggest change in the last few years is that uh, we are now starting to achieve that success in terms of drawing people to to the city. And part of that's the, the reason that that happened was because suddenly the Supreme Court decided to say that sports wagering was uh, not uh, not illegal anymore. So every state in the country potentially could offer sports betting. So once that happened, we started seeing more sports here in town because there was not this stigma about uh, about sports attracting the wrong personnel or wrong, wrong clientele. And it, uh, it turned out that it was really uh, fortuitous for this to happen uh, because now we're looking at Formula One. We're looking at a Super Bowl. We have the NFL draft here. We've got a contract for the Pac-12 football championship. We're going to have the final four here. I mean, it just keeps adding up over and over and over again. And I asked uh, the, Steve Hill, the uh, president and CEO of the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, what's next? What do we what do we have left? And he said, well, we still haven't gotten the the national football championship here. So that's that's coming. And, you know, when, when you look today and what the world looks at, they, they look a lot at things like the World Cup. So soccer is something that's going to be probably generating more uh, eyeballs here. And Allegiant Stadium has proven that they can sell out that building for a soccer match as well as a football game. I'm always fascinated by the different elements of the business that show up in Las Vegas. Going back in time, at one point, conventions were not seen in a favorable light by casinos because conventioneers didn't really spend a lot of money in the casino, maybe food and drink and rooms, but that wasn't the main point. Then the pie spread out to include conventions, food and beverage, entertainment, retail, and of course, the casino. Now you're adding the other element, which you just talked about, which is sports. Are there other areas that we haven't even thought about? You mentioned, of course, when I, I say sports in a more generic sense, do you see any other areas that we haven't even thought about yet? Well, it's not like we haven't thought about it because it's obviously it's coming, but some of the evolutions that are occurring in entertainment itself are, are pretty fantastic. And I'm specifically now referencing the MSG sphere, which is going to be, you know, I, I think that it, we overuse the phrase game changer, uh, but uh, that will be a game changer because of some of the things that are going to be in the sphere and what uh, what that will represent to people who enjoy musical concerts and 
frankly, multimedia events that they can visualize as well as hear some of the things that are uh, that are on this big screen. And when I say big screen, I mean really, really big screen. It's massive. It's going to wrap around you in the uh, in the inside that uh, big dome that they're building over next to the Venetian. So it's it's one of those things that every time we have something that is going to be looked at by by the public as something that's going to be intriguing to see, we take it to the next level. So we, we we're, we're getting we're making things better than what they were before. So I don't know whether that means that we are running out of ideas on on new things to, to bring to town, but uh, certainly that is uh, one of the elements that uh, continues to bring people here. Rick, what do you think the impact of all of this construction and new facilities, new ideas, will be on traffic? Because that's always an issue. Again, going back many years when traffic wasn't a problem, it's becoming one, especially when you have game day at the Legion Stadium and you have something going on at the arena as well. How does that work out for you? It's definitely a, a challenge. Traffic is always going to be a challenge for Las Vegas simply because it's uh, we don't have any mass transit uh, at the at the present time but i say uh, and this is a, a big but here is that we are developing or it is being developed at a a new underground transit system is being put together by elon musk's company that's you know it, he's already tested it at the las vegas convention center it uh, moves people from one end of the convention center to the other. And now there is a, a direct connection from Resorts World Las Vegas to the convention center. Well, that network of underground tunnels is going to expand to more than 15 miles. And it's going to be available throughout the, the resort corridor and downtown. So I, I think once that catches hold in uh, Las Vegas, the, the boring companies proposed underground transit system, that will solve a number of traffic problems. I, I still think that a lot of people are, are not going to quite be enamored with that until they actually see it. And we're not going to see it until at least a couple of years from now. But once it's here, that's going to be uh, very impressive. Also, as far as transportation coming to Las Vegas, I, I have very strong feelings that, it, in fact, this high-speed rail that's being developed uh, is going to is going to be a reality that they'll they'll break ground next year. So once uh, that's in place, you'll have a whole different way to get to Las Vegas from Southern California, and it should take lots of cars off of Interstate 15, which is always a choke point on weekends. You mentioned the Boring Company. Would that include a connection to the airport? Eventually, that's what the plan is, yeah, to have connection to Harry Reid International Airport. Uh, they haven't quite engineered exactly where it would go and how it would be done, but uh, that is in the plan is to have transit to uh, to the airport as well as to Allegiant Stadium and to downtown Las Vegas. So it's pretty wide uh, wide ranging. It's already in use in a couple of locations. They're building a, another connection between Encore Las Vegas and the convention center. So it's a, it's a work in progress. And the, the thing that's interesting about the, the way the boring company works is that they're continually perfecting 
how the boring machines work. And they're more efficient now than they've ever been. You just drop one of those things underground, let it go, and pretty soon you have uh, miles and miles of, of underground tunnels that they just need to perfect by putting some asphalt in them. As long as they don't hit a gas line or <laughs> well, a water main. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's part of this whole planning process is to make sure that all utilities are not disrupted. And, and I think that they've done a pretty good job of, of investigating that. I don't think that there's any uh, issues involved with that. Frankly, the, the biggest problem that they've had is convincing county officials about how they can operate it safely. I mean, these are Tesla vehicles that are running underground on uh, in tunnels. But if one of those breaks down for some reason, you need to have a way to escape from the tunnel. And that's one of the things that the county is making sure that they that boring company implements. A big issue for the industry happened a couple of years ago, and that issue was COVID and can still be COVID, but it hit us bad. From your perspective, again, writing about it and covering that beat, how devastating was it to the resort industry in Las Vegas? It was, it was definitely uh, devastating. And the, the first indication that we got that, that it was going to be bad occurred in Macau, where they shut down all the casinos in Macau for 15 days. And um, I believe that was in February 2020. And I, I looked at some of my colleagues and said, how, how is that even possible? How could they do that? And then I thought, gosh, there's no way that, that would happen in Las Vegas or in Nevada. But sure enough, one month later, it did. And it wasn't just 15 days. It was 78 days that all the casinos were shut down. And this was a, out of a abundance of caution by Governor Steve Sisolak. I think that uh, he, uh, he he kind of paid for that by not being reelected this this time. That was certainly an issue that was brought forward by a number of people that look, Steve Sislak shut us down. This was awful for for a year, and it took a long time for recovery. But the interesting thing about the gaming industry and about the tourism industry in Las Vegas is that when it comes back, it comes back with a vengeance. And even though we're not quite to the level that we were in terms of international flights into Las Vegas and conventions in Las Vegas, they're very, very close to what they were pre-pandemic. Everything else has just been off the charts. You look at, at the amount of gaming win revenue that the casinos have generated since the pandemic ended, and it's just astonishing. This, this isn't just a Las Vegas or a, a Nevada phenomenon. It's happened nationwide. And right now, the gaming industry nationwide is enjoying its best ever couple of years. And there's, there's no reason to think that it can't continue on with some of our new emphasis on sports, on drawing different types of audiences to Las Vegas. So when it came back, it came back strong. It's still not to, to where it was pre-pandemic but it's going to be there, and I suspect that that will happen next year. Do you think we'll see cross-promotion? You mentioned earlier Formula One and the acceptance of sports betting. Do you see a cross-promotion at some point where you get the VGK Casino or the Raiders Hotel as a brand? Well, they put their names on some of these things, and like they're the official, you know, whatever. And if and NFL teams 
you know, across the country are doing the same thing. They're they're uh, allowing these uh, sports books that are popping up in different states to adopt their um, uh, their you know the casino name. Uh, example: New Orleans, the Superdome is now the Caesars Superdome. So it's um, uh, they'll put their names on it, but I don't know that they would actually attempt to do that. Although, I mean, in, in other markets, it happens all the time. In Washington D.C., for example, the, uh, um, the 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 casino or a casino outlet for sports betting is actually at the uh, at the arena in uh, where the uh, Washington Capitals play and the uh, Washington Wizards play. So, you know, it's it's not beyond the realm of possibility that that could happen here. And, and certainly, MGM has numerous arenas around Las Vegas, and you can't go into some of their facilities without seeing some reference to the sports teams. They have a partnership with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. They have the uh, partnership. A number of different places have a partnerships with, with uh, Legion Stadium where they have gates that people enter the stadium through that are named for casinos. So there's still a little bit of an arm's length from that. But at the same time, I think that it's inevitable that this type of Cross-promotion will continue, uh, but maybe not to the level of becoming uh, a specific sports venue. Looking at all the technological changes that we've seen in the last 10 years, is there one particular technological change that you see benefiting the Las Vegas resort industry more than any other? Yeah, I, I think that uh, this uh, movement towards cashless casino play is something that will it, it it came on really strong with Resorts World when that property opened a year and a half ago. And I think that other casino companies are going to embrace that in the same way that Resorts World and Genting did. They'll uh, they'll look at opportunities to be able to have people play in in their casinos without without cash, which is is pretty extraordinary when you when you think about it. I think that the, our regulators are not to the point where they will enable people to put their credit cards into the slot machine. Uh, that, they they want to have that separation there so that uh, people that are victims of compulsive gambling, that you know it's an addictive behavior, they don't want to see people ruining their lives by losing all their money and all their credit by, by sticking a, a, a credit card or a debit card into a slot machine. There's always going to be that arm's length distance between that. But the fact that there are so many opportunities to purchase food, tickets, everything else without uh, without cash when you go into. And then also some of the uh, advancements that we've seen in these loyalty clubs that are, that are you know, a staple for every single casino company. When, when you see some of that, you, you recognize the potential of, okay, what we're getting as a casino is we're getting marketing. We're going to be able to get your address. We're going to get to follow you, track you, understand what you like, and then provide a menu for you that uh, is exactly what you want when you want to have an ex a casino experience. So that works to their advantage. It works to the customer's advantage in that it's very simple to use and you build loyalty with points, and those points can be used for transactions. But I assume there will still be a market 
more than one casino that would offer the ability to use cash because I can't see everybody, maybe especially the older generations, not wanting to give that up. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, it took a long time for the uh, transformation to what they call ticket in, ticket out. The uh, when you when you play in a slot machine, you you drop uh, uh, some bills into a bill validator and you get the credits on your machine. But there are still some machines in town that have points, and they're they're few and far between. But I think people like the fact that they make noise when you make a when you win a jackpot. They, they like the fact that uh, you know you can you can do all the sound effects that you want when you see a big win, but uh, just seeing those coins pile up into the into the hopper, that's a, that's a whole different experience that I think a lot of people enjoy a lot. Yeah, that's more of a tactile sensation. Yes, it is, and <laughs> and then to, to actually reach into the hopper and feel those coins. It's, <laughs> Before I mean. <laughs> So, so many people now have never had that experience, but um, I, you know, for, for those of us who have been around this town for a long time, you know what kind of an appeal that uh, that 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 has for some people. Before I let you go, I was going to have you do the top five, but because of time, the top news story from your perspective from 2022. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty tall order, Ira, because <laughs> there's been so many big things. But I think the uh, the, the fact that uh, Native American tribes are uh, starting to make their way into Nevada, uh, specifically, we've got the uh, Mohegan Sun at the Virgin Las Vegas. We've got the Seminoles coming into Hard Rock on the Strip. And you, you've got the um, San Manuel Band of Mission Indians uh, that are operating the palms. The fact that all these tribes are finding their way to make their mark in Las Vegas, I thought was a, a pretty uh, astonishing story. But if, if I had to pick a number one, it would be the continuous uh, success of the, the gaming industry. I mean, we've now gone, what, 17 months with 1 billion plus gaming win. That translates into taxation. The taxation translates into having services that are provided by the state government. So the the fact that the gaming industry is so successful and they're they're continuing to expand. Tillman Fertitta is building on the strip. The other Fertitas, the Fertitta family, uh, is building in uh, off Durango. They're going to build in uh, Henderson, in West Henderson, uh, near the Inspirata area. They're uh, building near downtown. So it, it just keeps on going in terms of of success. And when that finally comes to an end, when that success ends, then we'll have something new to write about because it'll, it'll be somebody else's new idea to do something different. And that's what's always exciting. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been gaming tourism reporter and assistant business editor for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Richard N. Rick Vallada. He's covered business, the gaming industry, tourism, transportation, and aviation in Las Vegas for 25 years. You can read Rick at ReviewJournal.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Rick Vallotta, V-E-L-O-T-T-A. And Rick, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for having me. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. 
each week, Ivor David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.